Do you ever find yourself living in such a way that doesn't actually reflect who you want to be or who you think you are? Well, that is exactly what we talk about on today's podcast episode with my guest, Scott Gazzoli, who is the founder and the host of the Causing the Effect podcast, uh, which I was actually on a couple weeks ago. Yeah, it's an awesome conversation today. I'm a little bit more laid back than usual, so you guys should really enjoy that, get to see a little bit more of my personality. But I really liked talking with Scott specifically because there were a lot of insights about identity and being who you really are. Uh, so without further ado, let's hop into today's show. Um, oh, and as always, there's the announcement. Uh, I would like to invite you guys to go to OURrescue.org to get to know my favorite nonprofit organization, Operation Underground Railroad. What they do is they go undercover to rescue kids from sex trafficking, which we all know is a terrible, terrible thing. But Operation Underground Railroad is a light in the darkness. So go to OURrescue.org, just learn about what they do, and get involved. But now, without further ado, let's go and do some hard things, because today, we are overcoming average. All right, well, thank you for coming on the Hard Thing Podcast, Scott. I'm happy to have you here and, and have you on the other side of this mic, rather than being the interviewer, you are the interviewee. So welcome to my show. Thank you so much, man. I'm glad to be here. Uh, what's doing, brother? I'm fucking, I'm hyped, man. I'm hyped. <laughs> Heck yeah. Uh, well, we have a tradition here. Uh, every guest, I ask, what's the hardest thing you've ever done? And that's how we start off the show. So, Scott, what's the hardest thing you've ever done? Oh, man. So, I got a couple. The hardest thing I've ever done is um, getting a divorce, to be honest with you. Um, and I think... You know, there's really just just the reason is there's not a real answer to like you did the right thing or the wrong thing. And that's when um, one of my um, one of my mentors, he told me that he's like, once you start thinking about it like this deep in and you're fighting for months at a time, like you're going to regret one way or the other by this point, because you just don't know. Um, and that kind of gave me some relief. I was like, oh, this is just I'm going to be regardless. So that was um, I would say that was the most recent and just the hardest thing. Obviously, you're in love with somebody 10 years. You build a house together. You, you go through everything, a half million dollar wedding. And you think on paper, it sounded great. And um, that that was, um, you know, I, I think the, to add to that, like the hardest thing was becoming the truest version of myself, which is kind of like my mantra and like what I do. And I think that was the hardest thing. But at the other side of it was podcasting with Justin there's there's you know my podcast there's so many good things happening that um I think you kind of have to go through that you know Justin yeah yeah it definitely turns you into someone else and you wouldn't be able to do the things without those hard things <clears throat> so I'd like to dig into some of those answers and, and I'm guessing you still have some other hard things as well but you said a five million dollar divorce I'm curious as to how that came about, because I'm, I'm, I'm from Utah. We come from the land of, you know, really, really cheap weddings generally. <laughs> so tell me, tell me, how did that five million, five hundred million or wait, I don't five hundred thousand, five hundred thousand yes, yes. dollar wedding is what I'm Justin's saying. Guy. I got you, exactly, man. I got exactly. you. So listen, dude, I would say that I am more of a Justin vibe. I'm chill. I would want to get married on the beach with 20 people. But I understand in relationships, you give the girl what they want and, um, all my ex-wife and, they, you know, most of the girls I date, they want that perfect wedding. So I really um, that's kind of the way I look at relationships. Right. It's not about like I need this and then you have to do that. It's more like what do you need to get yourself to, to, to your happiest state so you don't bust my balls? A. And then how do you get me to what I need? And I know um, a big thing um, for her was a big surprise proposal, which um, flew 
to Naples, Italy. <laughs> flew um, my family there, flew her family there, did the whole thing, Justin. Wow. What part uh, of Naples? Uh, I can't even tell you by this point. I think I blacked, I think I blacked out that, that <laughs> part of, of my life. But um, it was a big ring, dude. It, sat, it really felt, it felt good on paper, right? It really, um, it, it just, I was like, listen to everybody too much. I was like, this kind of feels a little off. I don't know if we're going to line up. And, and anybody who's thinking about making the big jump or whatever, just make sure you live with the person first. That's why I said that was my big mistake. But you do that, you buy a four and a half carat ring and you, you know, you're going through this whole thing, Justin. And, um, you know, you're just like to a normal wedding in, in New York will cost you a hundred thousand dollars. And before even friends with families, it was 200, 800 people. I I got my people. Yeah, she was actually like a she wasn't as popular as me. I had like 200 friends off and we're like, yo, you have to get these people off. So 500 people, uh, you know, astronaut, uh, I think per head um, at the at the the wedding was four hundred dollars per head. So 400 times 500. You're at 200 K without blinking (laughs) and ridiculous. It It was crazy. And I highly suggest like not worth it. A, just because I could have bought that. We could have put all the money into the house. Right. And, yeah, but yeah. listen, I, I really was probably, I should have spoke up more and now I speak up too much, sadly enough for my current girlfriend, Jessica. So, you know, I'm just kind of ba- trying to find this balancing act, man. That makes sense. You know, it's a funny, it's a funny thing that you said, uh, 500,000, I'm getting the number right now yeah. when I went to, so I went to BYU, uh, Brigham Young university and, oh, nice. um, they shared, they shared a study that they did there uh, and, and the school's more religiously inclined. So obviously they're kind of very interested in marriage and things like that. Um, they found in this study that over a certain threshold of money spent on weddings and money spent on engagement rings, the, the probability of divorce goes up. Uh, yep. I don't remember the exact numbers, but I think it was something like over $10,000 for a wedding the probability of divorce goes up or something like that. And then between, uh, if it's under, if the ring is under like $500, probability of divorce goes up. But if it's over like 5,000, same thing, which I thought was a, a fun. Uh, I could, I could confirm that. I looked it up at some point when, when I was going through my shit, cause I, we were trying to figure it out. And like, mm-hmm. if you just, we got married private Catholic my whole life. And like, if you heard the um, like, cause the, the, the priest meets with you, and, uh, you know, they talk to you by yourself and they talk to your, to your ex-wife by yourself. Sure. And the first three questions he asked me, I got wrong. And that should have been my thing. He said, where were you? Where were you baptized? Got the wrong church. I thought I was baptized there. <laughs> then he asked me, and this is part another hard thing that we could talk about. He asked me, what's your dad's name? And um, there's a whole story to this that I, I don't think I didn't tell you about it. Just, I was saving it for, for this one. But um, I got the name of my father wrong. Another check mark wrong. And then. Uh, the last question was, is there anything, you know, excessive or there's some sort of question like, is there anything obsess- uh, excessive about, you know, your current uh, ex-wife? Now, I, I date angels. Thank God. This motherfucking bitch, my ex-wife comes out. I go, you didn't tell him how excessive I am. She goes, uh, I did. I was like, God damn it. I'm not going to be allowed to get married. So, <laughs> that was a funny. That was like a funny way to look at it because I was like, I'm obsessed with this or that or just, you know, yeah. excessive in, in every single way. Right. So, um, you know, that, that's the that was the most recent. The most recent tough one I went through, probably the the most prolific on kind of my growth as a person, though. So. Right. Um, kind of circling back, something really pivotal, I think you said, and I think it's really important because it's a principle. We talked about this on your show, uh, but you said you became the truest version of yourself. And it's kind of coincidental, but my best friend, he just finished going through a divorce. Uh, 
Uh, and he said that he kind of halfway through the process of the separation and whatnot, he realized that he was dampening his personality. He was not being certain ways because it annoyed or frustrated or, or offended his ex-wife now. <clears throat> and recently we we kind of went out and had some fun. We, you know, we went to a corn maze with some friends and just kind of had a had a fun time out. And, and it was nice to see him kind of be himself again and to start feeling out who he was. So looking at your experience and you're dating someone now, it's it's her birthday. So happy birthday to her. Yes. Uh, <laughs> happy birthday, Jess. Um, what advice would you give to people so that they don't have to go through divorce to figure out I need to be who I am at all times? Yeah, uh, man, it's it's so funny because like if you looked if you looked on paper, twenty seven years old, beautiful wife, we had two big families, making money, wearing the suit. I was so miserable, bro. And there was there was no fire there, and it all started. The issue was like I feel like every when you went on your first date with you, you, your wife, and whenever it goes on that first date, maybe first four or five, you're like that shell of yourself, right? You don't want anybody to know that you know, you're this anger issue or pick, pick your, pick your shit now. Um, and I feel like for me, I always had insecurity with women. I know I'm so beautiful and charismatic, Justin, who would have thought, but I, I feel like I was putting her up on a pedestal almost. And you don't want those things to come out. Um, in my case, in this new version. So we broke up, we got back together in this new version of Scott. I really was into uh, marijuana. Right. And that was something I really hit from her until the end. And I think she was more pissed that by the time we got there to like, why wouldn't you tell me than even the actual thought of it? Now there's differences and we could talk about that. But like, if I just would have brought that out in the, the beginning, it is like, it's just easier. And now what I did with Jessica, you know, Jessica, shout out, love you. You're the best, all that good stuff. Like we've never had a fight because from day one, she got this psychopath. Like I'm out there. I'm, I'm eccentric. I have all these different needs, you know, where there's going to be this, just trying to hit everything. And like, when I told her I smoked pot, I was like, Oh, she's going to shit on me. She, she's like, end like that's that's what you do like just it makes everything so much easier in your mind so that, that would be my biggest thing is like just be who you are and that's the hardest part right when we're around women but like at least get there to to be that that point and uh, you know and, and also like you have to kind of nip the issues in the butt when they come like there's conversations that you keep just pushing off that you think are like oh it'll be fine and uh, one one example will be like going to family parties if i have 50 people in my family and you got 40 people in your family we both can't have hundred percent attendance to everything. So like these little things that like, if you just bring it up, it'll probably don't let that demon sit and like come to the, come to fruition. Cause like then everything comes out at once you have the big fight and now you're just fighting over everything. And that, that's when you end up just like you're in that circle of fighting of, of like, when you're fighting about the, the, the little things, that's one thing when you're fighting about like, you know, who loves and you're going to be this, and just, you know, it, it becomes a problem. So, yeah, uh, I love that. <clears throat> and I love how you said, your insecurities. Um, I've noticed that if we can just kind of master our insecurities, we can go very, very far in life because your insecurities show up whether you like them or not. Anytime you interact with another person, uh, because you're either taking steps to hide them, taking steps to compensate for them, or blatantly putting them out there and allowing the other person to kind of judge you in a sense and, and say, take me or leave me. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And and even to add to that, to add to my it, like it, insecurities, um, I I think deep down to to be honest to go, like I hope she never hears this, but let's just go there. Um, like I was 
we broke up. We were together for 2010, 2013. We broke up for two years, got back together. And I, I proposed to them four to five months. And the true, true reason, very, very selfish of me, was I thought the only reason I really got backward, all these good things, right? No uh, sound, good girl, good heart, all that good stuff, that, that's great. But the real truth was I thought I was going to end up dying or something crazy out of like the, I was partying hard, Justin. We were going four or five nights a week in the city. We were drunk driving Atlantic City. Wow. Like I really thought I was going to put myself in trouble. And like, obviously that's not the right reason. Like I tried to frame it in different ways through, oh, well, this is, oh, this is meant to be. It's a love story. We broke up. We came back. It's the notebook. No, bitch. It's not, it's not that. It, it's, um you know, it, it was me. And even deeper down to even get to another level of what, like, I think I always thought that is what um you can't get anybody else. And I see a lot of guys do this with take, take we can get. And like, I, I don't really believe in that anymore because, you know, a little more confident, but there's just, you know, just by, 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 you have to test the waters a little bit. Not that, you know, you can't meet your, your, your high school love and, and, um, and, and make it work. But for me, that was, that was the issue. I agree. And I think honestly that <clears throat> this idea, okay, here's, here's an unpopular opinion. We need to stop watching Disney movies. Um, and I, I hate saying that because I love Star Wars, except the new ones, but uh, I think, we are poisoning our minds with these perfect love stories of girl falls in love with guy, guy falls in love with girl and their story ends at happily ever after. But when in marriage, that's, that's when your story freaking begins, you know, like that's when everything else happens in life. And honestly, <clears throat> I think if we didn't pay as much attention to that and we, we looked at real relationships around us and said, Hey, uh, Joanna down the street has an awesome relationship with her husband, Mark. Uh, they're a super old couple and they're super cute when they go to the grocery store because he opens her door for her or whatever, or she opens her door for him, you know. Um, and, and look at those real life examples of people working hard on their relationships around us. I think they'd all be a lot better off. Mm, I, I, absolutely. And, um, you know, I, I knew that there was going to be work to do and there's always work to do in relationships, right? And I was so into it. The first six, seven months, you're getting them a gift every year, doing the flowers. And I was so in it. And then all of a sudden, you know, I, I'm just, I'm not a good, a good critic. Uh, I was not a good, good critic of myself. So when somebody would shit on me, you could come home. Well, I, I, it became, I, I got anxiety by the time I got home because I knew I would be reprimanded like I was a kid. So there was give and take on that. And, you know, we tried therapy for six months. And I'm like a very pragmatic guy. You know that, right, Justin? Like right. we did it. We did it for six months. I said, January 1 to June 30th. This is, this is it. This is the, the, the final round here. I left the house on July 1st just because it was, you know, we, we were trying, man. And, um, you know, I think we're both in a better place. Um, I'm obviously doing doing really well now, and I've kind of figured out some pieces of the puzzle. But but that's like that big takeaway, just being yourself. And I think the hardest part is like really figuring out who you are. That That is the the hardest part. Like if you if people who met me four or five years ago, they would think like I, I hit my head or something. Now it's like, no, I'm just like not I'm not nervous to 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 play my Dungeons and Dragons, to, right. to, to, to be a little bit more uh, into my psychedelics, the progressive drugs, all that stuff, to, to be doing a podcast, to be doing right. comedy, all these cool stuff that I think is me. And I think that's part of the problem is like people get very integrated into society with like, you can only do this. I have <laughs> yes. to do this. I have to do that. I can't yeah. hang out with these people because that's like, why can't you do, you do everything. Yeah. Um, so I definitely take the yes approach nowadays more than, more than that. I, uh, I actually, funny enough, you talk about Italy. I lived in Italy for two years on a religious mission for my church. Oh, wow. And, um, uh, one of my friends there, I guess, colleagues, we were talking about music and uh, I, I don't remember how exactly the conversation came up, but 
uh, either he asked me or I asked him, one of us said, hey, what kind of music do you like? And when I responded, I was like, you know, I like, uh, you know, country sometimes only depending on the song and, and this, you know, electronic most of the time. Um, and he was like, wait, you like country? But like, how do you like electronic? And I was like, because I can, like, they're two different, like, I can, because uh, I do. Exactly. <laughs> you know, and uh, it, it kind of goes back to my, my same friend, we were talking and we, he remarked when we were playing football in junior high, we both started playing in seventh grade together. And uh, it was around that time that he stopped reading even fictional books. Um, I, I kind of kept up the habit because I, I like fictional books and stuff. Mm -hmm. And he looks back and he says, you know what? Like, I wonder where I would be if I had developed that skill of reading and that love of reading so I could read books like, you know, 12 Rules of for Life by Jordan Peterson or Extreme Ownership by Jacqueline, you know, all these personal development books. Absolutely. And uh, I think we really do need to work hard not to put ourselves in these boxes and not label ourselves the jock or the nerd or whatever and just say, I like this. Um, you mentioned as a result of your divorce, you became more self-aware. You understood who you really are. So we've already talked about what sort of advice other people could employ to avoid going through that same hard thing. But what sort of things did you do or, or, or had you thought about trying or had you tried to become more self-aware after your divorce? And what things did you find worked really well? And I, I would say that, like, just so everybody understands, like, my mentality, like, is very much a hybrid of Jocko, Jordan, like, I just finished Beyond Order by, by Jordan Peterson, phenomenal, that's my guy, mm -hmm. um, with a mix of, because I love the self-development, like, I have, I have a Tony Robbins coach, I, yeah. I believe, like, having a coach in every aspect of your life will accelerate where you want to go, right. But at the same point of doing this for a year and a half and, and being super successful with things and like seeing the results, you get almost like too connected to the results. So I try to always keep in mind to people too, when they start this journey, it's super exciting, right? You know, you're like, you don't want to be stuck on the, on the rabbit hole. Of, so it's nice to, I, I, what I try to tell people is like, you want to almost be emotionally detached from your personal development and be more attached emotionally to your soul, to your spirit. Um, you know, I read a lot of Carl Jung psychology books. I'm reading the Bhagavad Gita now, which is the Hindu Bible mm -hmm. of things that are just kind of keeping in touch with my emotions because you can get lost and you don't want to get addicted for me, you know, I, I, I can be, I would go from being addicted to drinking or something crazy to being addicted to self-development. Anything is too much. You could drink too much water and get sick. Mm -hmm. Right. Justin, I don't even know what you were asking. I just totally no. went off on the tangent. I freaking Shit. love that. Um, God damn it. I'll, I'll, I'll ask my question in a second, emotionally attached from your personal development. And I think that's a really great way of articulating something that I was kind of trying to say, but I couldn't quite figure out how were the questions about avoiding um, or at least understanding who you are when you're dating and things like that, trying to form relationships. I, like you, had similar problems of, you know, putting the girl on the pedestal and making her this kind of untouchable thing. And in a way that made me really desperate, desperate so much that I would reshape myself in unhealthy ways in order to keep the relationship alive. And I see you nodding, mm -hmm. so you understand what I mean. And I think this emotional detachment is really, it's counterintuitive, but it's super insightful because it turns every one of us into scientists rather than, you know, saying, I feel that this is right. We say, what does the data say? The data says this. So this is what I'm going to do. Uh, exactly. And you're nailing it, Justin. Like, I, and the, let me add the second piece. That it's, it's a being emotionally detached in a way where you are, I'm sitting here and something goes on at work, right? I, I'm getting angry. 
So instead of what I would do is let my, you know, you let instincts go. And usually we think instincts are good. Instincts are, are not sometimes, you know, if you're getting chased by a lion, you would run. But most of the time in modern age, you don't want to go with your instincts. So instead of getting angry and letting the, the feelings control, what I can do now or what I could do on most of my days is I let that feeling sit and I could sit with it and I observe the feeling because I'm aware that Scott is not ang- Scott and anger are two separate things. This is a, a triggered emotion that's happening from something going on. Um, more of that, I'm, I would say I'm more of the anxiety type guy than the angry guy, but both feelings are like both of my both of my issues. So I can now just by just by that whole just saying that, right? makes me feel better. And that's what happens in your brain. It ends up, um, you know, the serotonin goes up and you end up actually getting calmer. Um, and I had to do this with my stage fright. So I went, you know, that's another hard thing we talk about. So like, the, the, it was funny. I, that's why I was so happy. I knew you were going to ask that question. I was like, <laughs> I've gone through, through a hard thing, like every couple of years of my life. And it's been like a journey. Um, and I keep forgetting the question, Justin. No, you're fine. Um, I actually hadn't asked a question that time. Okay. Circling back, <laughs> what sort of things well, actually, no. Shoot, I was gonna say something now too. I was say. Oh yes, uh, emotionally detaching yourself. How oh, and connected you- to everything. That's it. So yes. being emotionally detached, but also like being emotionally detached is just be, be, knowing your feelings are there, but knowing that they're not you, and then being connected to everything, people being great, grateful, all these little tricks that, you know, you can play life hacks in your brain to just really be like really happy where you are in the moment, because that's all perception. So. I, I, so I remembered what I was going to add to that. Um, I heard from a guy once that he instructs his clients. I think he was in the fitness industry. He instructs his clients to never say, I am fat. Instead to say things like, I carry too much fat or I carry too much weight uh, and uh, to stop associating themselves. And I like how you connected that to emotions. Instead, instead of saying, I am angry, you say, I am feeling anger or frustration because that gives a lot more power to you in, in realizing or even, you know, I'm feeling stressed, which is a very ambiguous term as it is. Uh, it, it kind of distances you from the situation and says, this is what I'm feeling. But like, now that I'm aware of it, I can do certain things about it and it gives you a lot more power. So um, exactly. exactly. Circling back to my <laughs> other question, um, self-awareness. What are some of the, the ways that you have found better self-awareness? Man, I, I love like self-awareness is like my best, my, my favorite hobby, to be honest with you. So I was the kid <laughs> that um, I would say maybe we were similar uh, people pleasing my whole life. Yeah. Just wanted to make everybody happy. Um, that's like a classic guy thing, right? When you know, a father, all that, all that shit. But, um, you know, to the, 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 the self-awareness started to come in when I started to sit down and meditate. Um, and again, I, Meditation, not for everybody. What, what I suggest people doing is type in, you know, listen to my podcast calls and the effect and you can find it. No, just figure out something that gets you to sit with your own thoughts. You can call it sitting with, you know, when you wake up for 20 minutes, you can, you could call it uh, biohacking, anything you want to do. Like for me, I like understanding everything. So I want to understand, I was looking at meditation um, from a scientific standpoint, from a psychological standpoint, from a spiritual standpoint. And that's what I try to do on my podcast, like really break things down those three spectrums. Cause you know, not that everybody wants to know the three ways, but you're going to hit a different person if you do it. So now um, you know, there's different types of meditation. There's meditation where you have to just sit and let the breath go. And that's more for just, um, that's just for, for being anxious. I wouldn't say there's a ton of self-realizing going on. Um, but some of the work I ended up doing, which is called insight meditation, where you go back and kind of trace back your feelings. So, um, 
that was an issue I had with women was a super, super jealous person. I started doing this while I was, um, while I was married and I ended up like totally, totally getting rid of jealousy. Like I'm like, I'm like Jessica now wants me to be more jealous. So that was like really cool. So I kind of had the, the proof in the pudding. Like, I don't give a shit. I'm the man. Right. right. But, um, where you had to start for me was my childhood. Um, and there was a lot of, you know, all these feelings that you have are, are, you know, even if you're, you do everything the right way, it's really about your parents, your environment, all that good stuff. Right. So I had a really weird upbringing that up until a couple of years ago, I did not know what happened to my father and why, and why he did what he did. So Justin, I'll give you the big story. I will send you the article after this. Cause I only like talking about it. Cause it's such a crazy thing. My father right. growing up, I thought he picked up and left and didn't want anything to do with us. The truth is um, my father shared my name. Scott Cazzoli, um, was dealing drugs uh, with the Colombians and in the mafia at the same time, which is if my so good fellows, that's a big no, no, mm. uh, long story short, my father got caught by the FBI, ended up snitching on his father, put my grandfather in jail for the last 20 years. And my grandfather is the one who told me the story when he got out of jail a couple of years ago. So like putting, it was just funny how all this is happening. This piece of your history of your past is getting brought into life as I'm starting this, this type of work. And it just kind of gave me like a feeling like, Oh, like, Obviously, you know, the study show, Jordan Peterson, all this stuff. If you're missing a father, there's always going to be a piece of you missing. I think that's why I like to be the big brother, the father to, 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 to guys. But you can't you can't patch it up that way. You have to sometimes go backwards. That's another piece of self-development that I tell people, be careful, because, listen, it's great to look in the future and don't worry about the past. But sometimes in certain situations, you have to go back and do a little digging and really kind of connect the dots to where you were feeling and why that feeling came from. So ever since I started feeling I, I the, the feelings of, of being not enough and feeling all that stuff, is just kind of dissipated and, and, you know, forgiveness towards my mother for lying. Cause you know, my mom's just tried doing what she thought was the best thing. Right. I'm not going to tell him your dad's a fucking, was in the, was in the, the first Rico case. Right. Um, so that is my first real hard thing that like, I still, it kind of became full circle there. Um, you know, as a kid growing up, thinking your dad left, that's what always my mother would say. She's probably a, a you know, a mad mother, you know, your dad wants nothing to do with you. It wasn't that. It was that he was in the witness protection program, had to change his name and all that good stuff. And Justin, this is my 10 minute bit I do for comedy. And people love this because like it's like a movie. So, yeah, honestly, I've never heard anyone who's I've never heard of anyone who is in the witness protection program. Um, growing up without a father, like you said, is very difficult. Uh, and honestly, <clears throat> in talking to the people that I do talking to all the people that do all these hard things, I've noticed that, and we talked about this on your show, one of the similarities is that they have a good network of people around them. Often that comes in the form of a mentor, you know, your Obi-Wan Kenobi's or your, uh, uh, gosh, what's Morpheus's, things like that. Someone who it might be considered at a level above you, who is able to reach their hand down and lift you up. And as you know, you and I know, being a man, happens by someone ushering you into manhood, showing you the ropes and kind of pushing you. So as you grew up, you mentioned you had a mentor, even though you didn't have necessarily a father figure, I'm guessing you found other father figure types that kind of helped you along the way, right? Oh yeah. Now, now listen, I, lo- I didn't have a father, but I had the closest thing to like one of the best male figures in my life. I lived with my grandfather till, till he passed away. I always had, um, I got eight guy cousins. We're all aged. I'm right in the middle. So we're all aged between 20 and 41. And, um, 
you know, everybody has is like even the little brothers are a big brother in some way. And even I'm the big brother to, to the older brothers in in this kind of space that we're talking about. Right. So it's very cool how we all can balance each other off. But like I would say if you're a dude and I'm not trying to make this like a man podcast, but like right. I think there's a primitive and natural instinct to have the like Saturdays are for the boys. I'm not saying go out and bang girls. I'm saying like go hunting with do whatever you want. For me, right. it's Dungeons and Dragons. We ordered up. Uh, pastrami sandwiches inside that for me is something we do once a month and that just makes us tighter and it gives you a yeah. sense of confidence like yeah it's all good because at the end if, if i lose everything i got i got my family and i really like when you could say that and mean it it's like damn that that, that that's like you know that, that that's cool so yeah uh not to <clears throat> harp too much about divorce and relationships but i'm guessing during that time <clears throat> having these relationships probably meant a lot more because this person that you were used to relying on so much wasn't really there for you. And you still had these other people that were able to support you. Right. Absolutely. Like that, that one cousin who gave me that, that little light bulb, like you're kind of anyway, like, I know it's the, that's not the best advice, but like in reality, that's what he was saying. You have to remember now I, I built the house, we moved in together and I had her parents. I agreed to let her parents live with us. So everything. Yeah. But that was, I went too much. I should have spoke up. Right. But um, three on one for every fight. So yeah. nobody knew this. And I think by that point, I was just done. Right. It didn't matter. But even like going through that, like my sister came out of the woodwork, like stepping up Like my sister's a cop. And, um, you know, to give you just an example, this I was going through to move your stuff out of a house in New York is like a thousand dollars. Right. My yeah. in-laws um, made they, they said you can only let union people come in and you can't touch anything. So they were just trying to get me to spend like six or $7,000. So I said, fuck you guys. I'm not hard. I'm just going to carry. So I was in there through divorce every day, carrying stuff back and forth to this apartment. And my sister showed up with eight cop cars and she was like, you guys can't do this. And my sister's like a bad bitch. Just, she got my mother-in-law's face and she was like, look what you're doing to him. This is hard enough. Like it's time to grow up. And my sister's like a a 24 year old girl at the time for for her to do that with a 60 year old who was like, they were being spidey. It was like, that made me and her even closer. And then through like, you know, losing a relationship, you get closer with your mother. I want to spend more time with my mom. So like, it's so weird. Everything else became better. And I'd say like, I don't think most people react that way, but I think it's all good signs that like you made sort of a right decision. Even like when you have, you know, my mother telling me, like, I'm so proud of how you held handle everything. I, I just take stuff like I just want everybody to be happy. I'm not on Instagram trying to, like, spite people and send right. this thing like I'm better than that. Like, it's not like that. I just literally just want everybody to be happy, Um, even though some people don't always feel that way. You know, yeah, yeah I totally <laughs> understand. It. Um, <clears throat> kind of switching gears. I want to talk about your podcast. Um, What led to the decision of creating your podcast? Uh, and yeah, start that story, I guess. So um, to give you a little bit of idea, there was a lot of introspecting going on. And I said, when I, um, right when I got divorced, this was August 2019, I said, I'm going to take the rest of the year to figure out what I want to do. So this is right when I started meditating. I'm taking, uh, I went to uh, Colombia by myself. I went to Jamaica by myself, taking these little trips and figuring out what I want to do. And I quickly realized it's connection with people. And um, I don't know, maybe I was probably just listening to a little bit of too much Joe Rogan as well. Comedy <laughs> and podcasting. Uh, kept just kept popping up. Right. Um, so I said, February, when I turned 30, February 17, 2020, I'm going to start doing comedy. I'm going to start a podcast. Um, that was the beginning of it, right? That was the, the, the initial idea. And then you figured out niches and you're figuring out all this stuff. And I was like, I just literally like how, how, what I just said to you earlier, was like, I just want everybody to be happy. And I feel like what is the, the best way for me 
to help people explore while expressing myself. And that's kind of what you end up getting with my podcast. Like there's no niche, like, there's a niche, right? We're trying to help others. Right. But right. at the same point, like if I want to talk to like a chess master, I'm talking to a chess master because I'm into chess. Um, and even like, I've been surprised at how much people dig like the, the weird, Oh, Scott, I didn't know you like Brazilian jiu-jitsu. Like let's talk jiu-jitsu. I'm like, what? I, I, you know, so um, what I, what, what the podcast is, it's really focused on becoming the truest version of yourself through a mix of your mind, body, and your spirit. Those three things. When I started the podcast, I was just thinking mind and body. And as I've gone through the journey, I've realized for me how much the spiritual piece is. And I like, I think you probably sense with me, Justin, I never try to push anything on anybody. I don't know shit. I know what works for me though. And I think the pie, you have to have a pie of mind, body, and spirit. And you have to pick, I would say when I started, you know, 30% 30% douche Scott. I was like 70% body. I want to be fit. It's about abs. And now it's like 50% spirit, honestly, and mind. And the, the gym has become like just the thing that I do now that, you know, to, 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 to feel good. Right. But um, you have to, to figure that out. And I, I, and I'm figuring out too. So as I have the journey with people, I, I try to be as authentic and raw and, and, you know, unfiltered as possible. Like, you know, a kid from Brooklyn, the urban spiritual guy, just talking shit to psychologists. And I, I, that's what, that's what I keep seeing pop up is I just really enjoy talking to people about the mind, like the psychology of it and the archetypes that we're talking about. Um, that's that, that really like gets me going. And it's so funny. Check this one out, Justin. So my cousins, this is one of my cousins, like the shaman of our group. This is something that you would like the archetypes and the collective unconscious. So this book's about the explanation of why we, we connect with those archetypes, those heroes, those mentors. So, um, you know, all the answers are, are here, man. So I got like, I got like promoted to like a 700 page book now. So this is my homework. That's awesome. I've been wanting to read Jung for a while. One of the hard things with the podcast is sometimes you get guests who have books and you have to read their books. Well, you don't have to, but it's, it's always better if you read their books before the show. Absolutely. And, and Absolutely. <clears throat> what are some of the biggest lessons you've learned from your podcast both in 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 terms of organization and building something and also in terms of things you've learned specifically from your guests so i would say that you know the balancing act i've learned to to do it pretty well but i've also learned to um to really use time as my friend, you really, I think that's the, the one thing I learned just from this whole process is like how important your time is. Like I used to look at like money's the most valuable commodity. No, it's your, it's your time. And if you spend it wisely, you can do everything you say. And anybody who says, I don't have the time to do something. That's what I always said to myself. Oh, I have a job. No, but there's always time to do stuff. You know, you can start waking up earlier. You can throw in an extra hour at your lunch. You can always do these different things. Um, but I really, when I, I, I didn't realize from the guests, like how much I actually get out of these by call it like a therapy session, call it knowledge, like the neurogenesis it's called in your brain. Like when you're just like uh, learning something new, I'm learning something new every time. And that just gets me more excited. And when you start doing that, you start building and building momentum and starting something from the bottom up and like it being yours. Um, I never had that. I always took the, took the easier, the easier way out of like, Oh, I'd be a great number two, number three. I don't got to own the company. I'll just make the money. Um, and that's what I do for my day job. And I was like, why can't I own something, you know, where, where it's really mine and, and to, you know, where, where I used to be like embarrassed to talk about it. And now I'm like, people bring it up to me and I'm like, Holy shit. Like this is, um, this is an exciting thing. But, um, the, the, the people that what you can do with technology now and the people you can meet, like I, I always thought about it, just have a podcast. Nobody has to listen. You can just yeah. sit and talk to, I can just talk to, to you and just like, we're getting something out of it. Like just, you get out of it, the connection and being in, in the same world as people. Like I really thought nobody was into this stuff. 
Like I was sitting there like, we had a kid from Brooklyn, everybody's at the pasta, the Sopranos and all this stuff. That's great. <laughs> but there's so much more to life. And like, you know, I have um, a, a friend coming here who's a, uh, she won the astrology girls. I came on the podcast. She's coming in next week to hang out with me and Jessica. You have, um, you know, my, my friend Raj, who's a coach in London coming here to me. It's like, you can make all these different connections that like, just give your life color. And that's like what I've realized. Well, take the money, take the results, take all that stuff. Like my connection with people is what gets me going. And that's like what I'm going to look back when I'm dying. Like, wow, that was some, that was some cool shit. That kid, Justin Lewis, that's a cool mother. <laughs> um, I have to agree there sometimes. And this might sound really bad. Sometimes I hate doing podcasts because I'll have a specific episode or interview with a guest right before I go to work. And the guest is all talking about how kind of living your life and doing all these really cool things. And then I got to go and fulfill my duties to pay bills and things and take care of my family. Yes, I, just, I just ran from that. I literally just ran here to do it. And like, I think that you have to play the game mm-hmm. as much as you want to like, listen, I can literally quit my job right now, but then I won't be getting my $10,000 a month. Just now I can't be watching venom with Jessica. Then like you have to pick and choose like this game. And I think, you know, the way that you and I are doing it, like you're working your job, you're doing your responsibilities, you're a husband, I got the company. And then just part, like, you know, just trying to chip away at this, that's even more commendable than somebody who just says, screw it, I'm going to burn the boats because like to juggle everything, it gives you, I would have made a hell of it, uh, an administrative assistant, Justin, let me tell you, it would have been great just scheduling stuff. Um, Cause now I, I see the skills that I have from scheduling and calendar, all that stuff, like you reaching out, like it works, it, it, it transfers over. And that's the cool part about everything you do, like, Everything is related to everything. Yeah, I agree. Um, so just curious, where do you see the podcast going as far as your desires on growing it, shaping it, things like that? So, you know, like we said earlier, it was supposed to be focused on the mind, body and spirit. And like, I, I there's still going to be fitness enthusiasts come on. Like I just had my good friend, Justin Martellini, IFBB Pro come on, all this good stuff. But like for me, I, I do the fitness to like, just throw it in because what I saw when you get emails from people who like, Oh, I was meditating and, and loved your wellness. But then I didn't know if you do hypertrophy training, it helps with this. It's like just trying to connect people because I don't want to, I want to really just expand people's minds in every way. Very similar to like, um, I, I still remember the first podcast I ever listened to. It was Rogan and he had this guy, um, you know, uh, Randall Carlson and Graham Hancock on who were talking about uh, geology and the rocks and all this stuff. And I was like, I just, my, my mind was blown. Like, it was like, I was like, how didn't I know that this type of thing existed? So that's what I try to go for is like, if I could add like 1% to a person's life, um, like if you, if I change the, the route of somebody 1% on their journey on the boat, right, that changes the entire trajectory of their life. And hopefully, you know, we can do it by a couple percent and they can kind of focus. So I would say that the goal of the podcast is to always be me, always take flavors. Like we've, we've been rejecting some, um, some sponsors, not because like I'm too good, just because I want something that I could really get behind and really talk about. I don't want to be the guy. Well, oh, we'll be right back with Justin. Now, now let me tell you about uh the this pen that was made in in Brazil. That's I, I don't know. Right, um, right. But you know, it's always going to be me. It's always going to be the, the truest expression of myself. And obviously, you know, I would love it to be a full time gig at one point. Um, and I would say, the the for anybody that is at the bottom of something and you're comparing yourself to, you know, how me and Justin are at the, the, this ground level of the Joe Rogan at the top, right? You can't look, you can't look at life that way. Cause you know, you get what you put in. So the work me and Justin have put in is, is multiples less than what Rogan put in or what anybody did for anything. And I think that's the issue people have is like, well, why am I not there? And it's, it's the story an archetype 
in the movies of the fool becoming the king, the wise king. And you have to be willing to, to be the fool for a little bit um, and go through the hard times. And, and, and I, I love the people that started with me this first year. And I, I want to bring everybody up. And I, I've realized like when you stop worrying about the, the results, like, and you're just sitting in the moment, like we're here, just like we're here in the moment. We are, we're being mindful of each other. Like we, we get along. Like that's going to be, this makes my whole night. And I can be now Jessica gets her all happy, uh, happy uh, birthday dinner. But um you know, when you do stuff the right way, when you stop, what I've learned, like the path is the process. Like it's not about the end result. It's about the actual purpose. Like your meaning, the meaning of life is life itself. And if you're just running through it, trying to make money till you retire, you're trying to run to get this one, even run to get that one. It's you're just chasing, 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 chasing. It's funny. Um, <clears throat> that makes me think of Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. Uh, are you familiar with that mm-hmm, story? Mm-hmm. Um, so for those of you who aren't, <clears throat> this alien race creates this supercomputer and they ask it, what's the meaning of life, the universe and everything? And it's like, hmm, I don't know. I'm going to make a, a super computer that can actually answer that question. So it spends like thousands of years to build a computer that can then spend thousands of years to answer that question. And after thousands and thousands of years, it responds to this alien race. It says the answer to life, the universe and everything is 42. And I always thought that was just a cheeky answer, right? Until, you know, you're scrolling on Instagram as sometimes you do. I don't know about you, but I do sometimes. And uh, I saw one of my favorite things on my personal profile is to go past the, you know, to get caught up up on all the posts and just find new stuff. And one of these posts showed that scene, I think from the movie, and it had a little caption and it said, um, you know, 42 wasn't just a number in a specific coding language. 42 is the, uh, it's kind of the designator for the asterisk, which if you're familiar with code, the asterisk is a symbol sometimes used to mean anything, right? So you can go into Google and you can type when asterisk goes to bed and it'll bring up all sorts of results, putting in anything, not the word anything, but any result within that asterisk in the search. So really the computer was saying life is what you make of it. And I was like, Oh my gosh, that's so smart. You know what I mean? Um, because it's, it's true. You only find meaning by trying to find meaning, uh, which is probably smarter than I'll ever be. Cause I don't know if I fully understand that sentence, but Justin, that's like, isn't that the fun part? Like the meaning of life is what you give it. Right. And this is like the cool part of, um, you know, a lot of people shit on Jordan Peterson. I happen to be like a fanatic, I would say, <laughs> like you could like I because I live I live both extremes of that life. I lived life in the nihilistic way. Like when I broke up with my girl the first time, just I was like I was doing the yellow cocaine from the cartel. The cartel brought me the cocaine. I was trying to like and I just nothing mattered. My uncle died from brain right. cancer. It was this whole thing. Um, and I was like, it doesn't matter. I, I've seen that side and I pushed it to the limit of that side. I was like, what? What, there's no answer there. And now I'm trying this side. I can tell you there's a lot more color. There's a lot more healthiness, a lot more connection with people. There's a lot more of the answers on this side than on that side of, of women, drinking, booze, all that fun stuff. That, that's I look back and now I'm like, what? You wasted all this money. You were living off of instinct. And like from a, from a very uh, spiritual standpoint, you're living on your, your basic primitive things of sex, anger, uh, worthiness. Like I don't 
I don't try, I try to remove all those things of, um, they call them the bottom three chakras, which is, you know, there's the, the food, um, women, and then your worthiness, like those three things. Like you don't want to play with those. Cause if you're playing instinctual games with that, you'll just be an animal. You know? Yeah. Uh, I especially don't like talking about worthiness, uh, because it, often in my opinion, <clears throat> it brings up the word deserve. I deserve this, you know, which I think is a very useless word because, um, I'm a Christian, you know, and, uh, from a religious perspective, at least in the Christian realm, you know, Christ did everything. So what do we deserve? Because he did everything for us. So we don't deserve anything from an evolutionary perspective. Everything we are is owed to everyone who's come before us. So I don't know that we deserve anything in that realm. Um, so, and I think at least when you look at it this way, when I look at it this way, it, it helps me get a lot more gratitude because it allows me to look at a life that is so much more abundant than what I quote unquote deserve, right? Going back to that nihilistic viewpoint um, and instead look at the world and say, this is what I have. I'm so blessed and lucky to have all of this because there are people who don't, whether they deserve it or not, whether I deserve it or not, this is what I have. And I'm very lucky and, and grateful to be where I am right now. Not to say that I don't want more, or can't grow or whatever, but it, for me, at least, it really helps change my worldview to be one of gratitude in, in realizing that, you know what, I do stand on the shoulders of giants, you know? <clears throat> Absolutely, man. And that's like, that's beautiful that you're saying that. Because again, that's all Jordan Peterson stuff. Like you, that's the, that's duality, right? You can look at life like it has no meaning. And life is all suffering and I'm not taking responsibility and I'm going to be a victim. And I'm going to have to wake you wear a mask and all that stuff. Right. Or you look at it the other way and then you bear the burden of suffering. Like, yeah, you're, you're, you're a human being, bitch. You're going to suffer. That's like saying, I want to play basketball, and not dribble the ball. Right. This is what you signed up for. So it's either make the best of it. My, my cousin is a um, double major psych, double major philosopher. We were fighting about this on Sunday because he has a very nihilistic view. And my, my point that I think I got to was like, so you're just going to sit and, and be miserable about it like that. That's the best option that you have, because right. you're going to disconnect from people. You're going to not you, you have to have belief in, in something you need to believe. Like yeah, if you don't, then your life is going to be dampered. But with with something, you know, take take your pick. So, man, that is just right to my soul. Um, I'm a very. Again, religious, but in general, I'm a very faithless person so i struggle to have faith i need to see the proof in order to believe you know i don't I, i'm not very trusting of people generally uh and that that sentence you got to believe in something just <laughs> speaks to my soul um before we transition to kind of the end of the show we got to talk about carnage so anyone listening uh spoiler alert probably i don't care much about spoilers because i'm if it's a good enough story i'll still go watch it listen to it or read it but give us your take on carnage and what you thought about that everybody buckle the fuck up so <laughs> to preface this i am diehard venom diehard carnage my favorite guy i have three carnage shirts i got i went with four dudes four ginzos from brooklyn wearing the dorky shirts one had spider-man one had venom carnage was carnage the character woody harrelson very well done all that good stuff the writing done by sony is atrocious justin the way that he dies the person who actually kills him you okay uh, can i just tell you justin tell me I, okay I'd be happy. do you remember the first venom ish 
ish. Okay. It's Tom Hardy's girl Anne starts dating the the husband, the guy, the doctor. This is the doctor guy who helps him. Okay. That dude pours gasoline and lights a fire on Carnage, and that's how he dies. That's how they kill him. Yeah, that that's a spoiler alert for everybody. They they ruined such a great character that spoke like the story of Carnage is. They, he splits from, from Woody Harrelson. Woody Harrelson goes to jail, and then they just repeat it on repeat. They kill him off. Does nothing for for for, for they basically made him like like the like a small bad in these movies, and now he's done. And now, I will also say that Andy Serkis directing it, you can tell this dude was Gollum for all those years because forty minutes of the movie is Venom and Eddie fighting with each other. <laughs> Swear to God, swear to God. So I counted, I counted it. I rewatched it. Forty minutes of that, and there's a twelve-minute scene of Venom at a masquerade party as actual Venom dancing. I, I don't need real Venom dancing, bro. I don't need real Ven- Venom dancing. So um, in total, I would give it like in reality, like a four out of ten. Not good. End credit scene, fantastic. The best end credit scene we've gotten. But everything before that, like it's it's an hour and thirty minute runtime. 40 to 50 minutes could have been wasted. Like great with the origin story. They did interesting stuff. And like Carnage, I know that like, this is what they do. I'm sure you've seen this, Justin. Like they, when there was pure, like in the eighties and nineties, just bad dudes. You can't have that anymore. 2021. So everybody has to have a love interest or you have to be a friend. Like I just, I'm just hurt. No, you're not Darth Vader, bitch. Carnage is Carnage. Carnage is supposed to be murdering people, and that was it. They make him have the have a love interest. They make him just like he says at the end to Eddie. I just want to be your friend. I just want to be your friend. It's not the that's not the Carnage story, man. So I don't know if they're going to end up doing the multiverse in um you know in uh in the MCU and bring him back and maybe be like a different version of Carnage because I guarantee you Marvel's like I please kill him and I bet you Tom Hardy said the same thing. And here's the interesting thing: I was going to blame the writers, and Tom Hardy wrote all the stuff for Venom. Which could is probably the issue. So he he actually did most of the writing that you see with him and himself, um, which isn't like I don't think they don't do that in the comics, right? They don't make Venom like this other. Like I get even the first one, you want to make it introduce him, but like they made it like the odd couple almost. It's right. Really rough, really rough. See, I, I think, <clears throat> like you said, people are misunderstanding villains, and I, I've noticed that the best villains, the best villains are going back to archetypes they usually fall in in a few archetypes one is kind of this force of nature um they're not necessarily evil but they just they they move thanos can kind of be considered he's kind of halfway this but halfway another one um maybe ultron might be a better force of nature or Mm -hmm. um gosh i can't think of a a better well like jurassic park all the animals all, all the dinosaurs might be in this category it's this huge adversary force of nature not really bad intent and then there is the convinced they're doing right but are very wrong this is thanos right yep definitely thanos and then i think the best villains are they understand the depravity that they're perpetrating and it fuels them so this would be the joker you know Uh, and he's also somewhat like a force of nature like you can't Mm -hmm. understand the joker he just goes um but then you you can't have anti-hero villains that just doesn't make any sense you know exactly and like you know even with i would say with thanos even the joker there's those that speck of inspiration from them and what they say you're like oh i kind of agree like you know like like i really could turn down i really could burn down the manhattan and live with like three 
and swipes. Yeah, but like exactly. with Carton, you can just tell that like where they're like, I knew it from, they didn't want to say like every, Carton is supposed to be like, kill 17 people. He raped this kid. He yeah. killed this. Like they just said, oh, I just, he just killed his parents. Like that, they, they really copped out. And I get it. It's a different age, but like, just, just all you got to do is copy the, the comics and like, and not in one comic does he get burned with gasoline and get lit on fire. And what, right. what he does was he lights him and then Venom ends up um, like ripping off the red carnage and eating him. And I'm like, where are you guys getting this from? Like, I don't even know what, 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 who wrote that. So I think it's it is a lot of Hollywood, but um, I, I'm so pissed because you can't find that on YouTube. If anybody is actually listening to like by this point and, and we didn't ruin it for you. Don't listen to any of the YouTube reviews because they're all lying and saying it's good. Like, it's not true. It's really not true. I'm pretty honest, right, Justin? Yeah. I, yeah I, you know, I, w- I was so hyped. I was telling you last week how, how excited I was. Yeah, it, it really makes me sad that because I was expecting you to be like, yeah, it's so awesome. You got to go see it. And Dude, the- Carnage, if you like, there's like the nine minute Carnage intro where you see him turn and they did it so good. It's that, it's that dry red look and he's just murdered awesome they should have just done that for an hour and just let him just destroy everything because what yeah. they do is shriek is his love interest in the comics but uh carnage never has um a weakness to sound that's the point of carnage you're supposed to be a better version of venom mm. they make car they make the sound be the victim and his girlfriend screams so it's like bro you're not making any sense here so they they they, they f- it all up huh. well uh hopefully whatever comes from the Marvel content, whether from Disney or otherwise, uh, is much better. But Scott, it's been amazing you having you on the show. Uh, before we let you go, why don't you tell people how they can reach out to you, support you, and see what you're doing? Of course, brother. Um, anybody, just Google Causing the Effect Podcast, um, Instagram, Causing the Effect Podcast, or Causing the Effect Podcast.com. Um, you could email me any questions. Uh, I'm big into mental health and helping people. You know, it's suicide prevention month, mental mental health month, last month, uh, causing the effect podcast at gmail.com. Always happy to listen. If you want to try to get your mind, body, your spirit right, I don't sell nothing. I'm no coach. I am just a vessel to help everybody kind of get a little better, man. Excellent. Uh, and of course, we do need to give our audience some action items. So <clears throat> here's the list I came up with. Number one, emotionally detach yourself from strategic things. So not everything, but definitely some things. Number two is be your truest self today. Number three is figure out what you really, really want to do. So when you were talking about your podcast, I think if people figure out what makes them feel exactly how you feel about your podcast, that's what they should do. Number four, stop worrying about results and just be in the moment. Do you want to add to that list in any way? I would say that just with the disconnection thing, because I don't want people to disconnect too much, but try to connect with yourself first in the morning because that is kind of the way i look at my day the first couple minutes of your life don't go on your phone don't wake up start chit-chatting with your girl go to a room sit with your thoughts and just like connect with your feelings and like justin's saying sit with some gratitude sit with some connectiveness forgive if you got to forgive let that shit go because life is just too short to be sitting here worrying about this bs excellent well uh scott it has been an amazing conversation with you um, and hopefully we didn't ruin carnage for anyone, but I think Sony did that probably. Yeah, we didn't ruin that. <laughs> uh, but thank you so much. You have an amazing day and make sure you tell your girl happy birthday from the Harping Podcast. Thank you, Justin. Thank you so much. Um, really appreciate you, man. Seriously, love the work you're doing. Thank you. Have a good one. Thank you guys for listening to today's show. Thank you for sticking in there. I know that the intro was uh, not like it is normally. I'm actually still a little bit sick. 
So uh, hopefully that didn't disrupt uh, your listening of this podcast at all. But thank you guys so much for listening to the show. Reach out to us on Instagram at the Hard Thing Podcast. Make sure you follow us. Get extra bonus content as well. We'll be back on Monday for another awesome show. Until then, guys, keep doing hard things because you will overcome average.